Greetings, and welcome to the Gospel Expedition, where we explore the Gospel from Genesis to Revelation. The Gospel is how Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The Gospel teaches us how Jesus Christ redeemed us from sin, that He transforms us, and that He rose again the third day opening the gates of heaven, conquering death, thereby we have that confident expectation, that hope of eternal life with him in heaven. All scripture centers on this concept. One of the ways scripture demonstrates the gospel is by showing us how the heroes of the faith needed the gospel as we do. Scripture is open and honest about the sins, failures, and flaws of the men whom it holds as being heroes of the faith. This honesty about their faults not only lends credence to the scriptures, but it shows how they needed the gospel also, and that it was their faith, not perfection, that saved them. In this passage, in Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 29, Noah becomes drunk and winds up naked in his tent. This shows us that even Noah, even as great as he was, failed. This shows us that even the great ones fail. This also shows us how Noah himself needed the gospel. And this also demonstrates how our choices matter. Let's talk about this concept that even the great ones, even the heroes of the faith, fail. Many theologians, when encountering Genesis chapter 9, try to explain away Noah's drunkenness because the idea that Noah is drunk and naked in his tent seems to contradict the description of Noah in Genesis chapter 6, where it describes Noah as being a just man, perfect in his generation, and walking with God. Because after all, how can a man who is saved, a man who is complete, who is perfect in his generation, and one who walks with God, how can that kind of man be the same kind of man who winds up drunk and naked in his tent? Some theologians try to write it off as an accident. Maybe the environment changed after the flood, this is actually taught in many seminaries, that the environment changed after the flood whereby wine began to ferment and the idea of alcoholic beverages was not really an ex a thing until after the flood was over. You don't, I, I'm not going to speak to whether or not that could be true. That kind of explanation is not really necessary. Some theologians try to redefine what it meant to be drunk. Maybe Noah wasn't intoxicated the way we think of intoxication. Maybe he had just drank so much that he was tired and he just kind of passed out. Kind of the same way that we go to sleep after Thanksgiving dinner. Some people try to redefine the word drunk. But there's no need to try to explain Noah's drunkenness. There's no need to try to discount it. There's no, we, no need to try to deny it. The Bible tells us, and the Bible speaks in plain English. Even if you're reading the King James Version, you can take the words at their face meaning. The Bible clearly tells us that Noah was drunk and he was naked in his tent. We don't need to try to excuse it or explain it away. A major sin like this does not discredit Noah, and it does not discredit Scripture, nor does it hinder the gospel. In fact, as we read this, some of us may be able to find ourselves identifying with Noah. Think about this. When Noah left the ark and stepped out into the new world, how do you think he felt about everything? I mean, think about it. His neighbors were gone. His hometown was gone. Any friends he had outside of his family were gone. 
You think that might have been a lonely feeling? Think about the trauma of it all. Of everything that you knew has now been washed away. Literally. Everything that you had liked or loved is gone. Think about the trauma of all that. And so perhaps in his loneliness, and perhaps in, in processing his trauma, processing this new life and this new world in, in which he found himself, maybe he began to self-medicate through the overindulgence of wine and the overindulgence of alcoholic beverages. And maybe that's how he winds up naked in his tent. I think when we think of it in those terms, we might be able to identify with this a little bit better. And as we do that, and as we examine Noah's failure here, there's a couple of lessons that we learn. One, we're reminded of how real the scriptures are. If Christianity were a man-made religion, any embarrassment of the founders of the faith would be concealed, and we would not be reading about Noah being drunk and naked in his tent. But scripture shows their weaknesses, which shows their need for the gospel, how the gospel redeemed them, and how the gospel will work for us. This is a concept of scripture showing us the fathers of the faith, their faith, their trust in the Lord, which led to their salvation, their redemption, and the Christian heritage that we have, alongside their failures, their warts, their sins, their major mistakes. And scripture shows it all in one complete, beautiful picture where we see their redemption and how their faith accessed God's grace and how he worked in their lives. It's a concept that even got the attention of Jordan Peterson, who noted that such instances in the scripture lend credence to the Bible. Jordan Peterson said that if Christianity were simply a made-up religion, that these stories would not be in there. And therefore, he believes that much of the Bible, if not all the Bible, is true. He said, if the Bible is not true, if not the Bible, then what then? Then what is true? This lesson reminds us that the scriptures are real. The second lesson we learn is that even the great heroes of the faith fail. So when you struggle and fail, remember that that is part of the broken human condition. You are no more defective than the rest of us. And like the rest of us, like everyone else, you simply need the healing and redemption that comes through the cross. The healing and redemption that comes through the gospel. This instance in scripture also shows us Noah's need for the gospel. Scripture says in Genesis chapter 6 that Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, and that he walked with God. This does not mean that Noah was without sin. What this means is that Noah was looking forward to and trusting the Lord's redemption through the gospel the same way we are. Scripture teaches that it is that kind of faith that God sees as righteousness, not our perfect works. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 15 that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. The Bible echoes that effect in Romans chapter 4 where it says Abraham believed God and he counted it unto him for righteousness. James, as the book of James is talking about the importance of works, it even makes references to the fact that Abraham was saved by faith. Ephesians tells us, for it is by grace that you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of your works, not of, not of works, lest any man should boast, but it is the gift of God. Scripture teaches that it is that kind of faith, that faith that is looking forward to the redemption of God through the gospel, that's the kind of faith that God sees as righteousness, not our perfect works. So when you fail, 
remember that God loves you, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to redeem you from the curse of sin and to bring you into his presence. And remember that God is working consistently and constantly in your life to transform you into the person he intended on you being. And trust that transformational process. That's the faith that accesses God's grace. And the final thing we learn from Genesis chapter 9 here is that our choices do matter. Following this episode, Noah honored the two sons who respected him and dishonored the one who didn't. And this, these blessings and cursings that are given by Noah upon his sons in Genesis chapter 9 had far-reaching consequences for many years to come. Though the Lord may forgive and transform, many times the consequences of our actions hang around. Think of the man in prison who, before he was saved, committed a heinous crime. In prison, he repents of sin, and he trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. The Bible teaches in that moment that he is a new creature, he is a new creation, that he is a child of God, and he is going to heaven when he dies. However, he is still in prison. And the state of Texas is not going to release him from prison because he had a religious conversion. Therefore, the consequence of the heinous crime that he committed prior to his salvation, prior to his redemption, and prior to his transformation is still hanging around. That consequence is still there. And so therefore, we learn that our choices do matter. Our teaching at LifePoint Baptist Church and here on the Gospel Expedition is grace-focused. We focus on grace because it is grace that brings salvation and our faith that accesses that salvation through God's grace. Works are excluded from the salvation process. That's what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3. It is excluded. That works is excluded. What about boasting? That's excluded. Works are excluded from the salvation process. However, works do demonstrate what the heart believes. One error that many people make is the belief that since redemption comes by grace through faith, then works don't matter. And what we mean by that is many people think that since redemption comes by grace through faith, then personal choices don't matter. Personal choices do matter. They carry long-lasting consequences. And Scripture not only teaches that choices matter and they carry consequences, but Scripture demonstrates this concept in the lives of those who are mentioned in the Bible. So it is important to make the choice to honor God with your life, to turn away from sin and evil, and to trust the Lord to transform you to where such temptations hold little to no power over you. If you have failed spiritually in your life, do not accept that as defeat, and do not think of yourself any more unworthy of God's love than the rest of us. God's love extends to us beyond what we are able to comprehend. Continue to trust Him and continue to trust him to transform your life and continue to trust that transformation. Believe in Jesus. Turn toward him. Turn away from the sin and temptation of the world. I'm Leland Acker, and this is the Gospel Expedition.